0: Hello oh, welcome to episode 93 of Retro Encounter, the RPG fan podcast where sometimes we'll go off the beaten track a little bit, sometimes we'll give you game journals, who knows? And this episode is kind of a special one, it's alongside our game journals we've been doing a sort of mini-series across the last year, so about a year ago we had the SNES um, episode, uh, last September we had the Dreamcast episode, and this is part three of our little mini-series where we're going to talk about GameCube RPGs. I'm your host, Alana Higgs, Diving Falcons on the boards, and I'm joined by two big Nintendo, big GameCube fans from the site. First of all, it's the wonderful Steph Sabidlo. Hello. And secondly, it's Keegan Lee.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: So, GameCube. So, released back in 2001, I believe. The GameCube was kind of... Aside from the Wii U, Nintendo's kind of forgotten, underappreciated console, and... Against the PS2 and the Xbox, people tend to forget this tiny little purple box that you could carry around. It looks like an oversized lunchbox now when I look at it. I got it out of my drawer (laughs) the other day and I was like, oh, it's really cute. And then I can take it to work and just pretend it's completely normal. But you can't. Um, But the GameCube was genuinely a really, really good system all around for really good strange Mario games. It was one of the consoles that kind of took a bit of a left wing on everything so it's completely changed Metroid it completely changed Mario it made Smash Bros really good it did something different with Mario Kart but what people tend to forget is that it has a fairly solid library of RBGs not many but it has a good selection of them so I think I
2: think what's what's really important about that is that because like you know, the Nintendo is such a safe family system. You find a lot of people who had their first RPGs like on that system, and ha- have a lot of good experiences and memories with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, so like whenever Nintendo does an RPG, I mean, you get a lot of people, you know, flocking towards it because it's a lot of pe- people's first system kind of thing.
0: Definitely, and it's a bit of a hawk as well because hawk back because. Nintendo was so good with RPGs, like they had Square on the palm of their hand through the late 80s and early 90s, and then as soon as the N64 hit, then the RPGs kind of died off of the system, and Mm. it was really sad to kind of see. And then obviously the game. There's nothing quite like celebrating Quest 64 as like one (laughs) of
2: three RPGs (laughs) on the N64.
0: Best RPG on N64. (laughs) (laughs) See, not even Pokemon Stadium, you know? But yeah. <laughs> quest 64 is the best one or whatever it's called in europe it's not called Quest it's, it's like a
2: top three out of three <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so number one on. It's still dreadful oh. oh god but no um the gamecube has a really really good list of rpgs um so i mean steph let's start with you uh, what's your experience with the gamecube i mean i think you've said something that i can relate to at least a little bit in that it's one of the first RPG systems that I had. Or one of the first systems where I actually bought RPGs consciously. So I mean, history with Nintendo in general, I guess, and then with the GameCube. It's one of those systems that, like, I didn't have that many
2: games for it, but I put like at least eighty hours or more into everything I had on it. Like even RPG wise, like you could get a lot of mileage out of that system, and there were some really, you know, top shelf RPGs on that system.
0: Yeah, really. Even
2: Crystal That's... Chronicles, as mixed bag as that was. We'll get into that, I guess. <laughs> <There> you
0: <know>. go. <laughs> well, I mean, it symbolizes the revival of Square's and Nintendo's relationship, I suppose. And, hey, we got some really good Final Fantasy games later on on those Nintendo systems. So true. I think it's a good a good step. Um, but, yeah, we will dive into Crystal Chronicles. Um, Keegan, how about you? What's your history with GameCube? Uh,
1: the GameCube, for me, I want to say was uh, my first actual like personal console. So I have an older sister, and growing up, it was usually her console. She had the original Nintendo, she had the Genesis, but when it came around to the GameCube, that was finally my first one. So I got to pick the games, I got to see everything, and just from there, it's so many memories that have come from it, like Crystal Chronicles, even though, like some people have said, it's a mixed bag, just are always cherished memories to me, and I could talk hours and hours about all the fun I've had with them. Which I will.
2: <laughs> okay, so, like, how, how are we breaking this down? Well... How are I... we going to talk about all of the, maybe, like, 30 RPGs maybe released on that system?
0: Well, I mean, we're going to go through... There are some more famous ones than others, and I've kind of selected six really good ones, but I think we'll bring up a couple of ones that we're not going to speak about, and I will sacrifice one of these right now because anyone who listened to Dreamcast Encounter <laughs> and anybody who knows me knows that I love Skies of Arcadia and the most accessible version of that if you can't get hold of it well I mean the Dreamcast and the uh, Dreamcast copy of the game are a bit harder to find but you can get a Gamecube copy called Skies of Arcadia Legend which is a slightly watered down graphically and musically ported version but it does um, include about 10 or 15 more discoveries it includes the whole bounty system, where you get like six or seven, it's extremely hard boss fights out of that. Air. Wasn't in the original. No, the bounty system wasn't. So a couple of the fights were, mm. so like the Baltor and the Gordo one, which was storyline based. But um, the bounties were not. I mean, you could get ranks, so you you know how Vice the Legend and Vice the Terrible, Vice the Average. They're all there, but that's like different.
2: <laughs> I can't
0: remember Stephanie all of the twenty. Average in is my new name now. <laughs> But yeah, so that was new. And also, I believe... Well, obviously they removed the Pinter minigame and stuff. Um, Yeah, I think that was really the biggest inclusion into it was the bounties. And also, no. If you got a certain pirate rank, got about 95% of the chests, got every discovery, you would get a secret boss battle with a certain Armada member. Oh. So, I'm... I mean i'm not gonna spoil it but it's kind of hard to do because you have to do oh yeah there's another side quest as well so you have to finish all the side quests as well one of them's with pastel and the doctor where you have to feed the big hamachu fish thing bird but he's cute but no this is kind of... <laughs> i know i'm like Ugh. i'm conscious of time for skies of arcadia <laughs> but hey i love this game buy it if you have a gamecube if you can get hold of it buy it it's going to get poured. I, I, really I hated it. the fact, yeah, I was going to say, I hated the fact that they teased like an
2: HD version of the game or some sort of remastering. Oh. Nothing happened. Nope. Nothing. They're going to do it. They better do it. <laughs> I like to think it's a matter of time because I mean, seeing <laughs> uh, seeing those two, uh, Vice and Ica and Valkyrie, Valkyrie Chronicles was just such a tease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they
0: look so big in bigger graphics. Oh. I, I did lose my mind a little <laughs> bit. Oh. Um, but yeah, another Dreamcast RPG that came along was Fantasy Star, um, Episode 1 and 2, I believe. Um, I didn't play these personally. I played the Dreamcast version, and again, where we brought this up in Dreamcast Encounter, because everyone recognises <laughs> Fantasy Star Online as the kind of big breakthrough in online console gaming. But, Without a doubt. Yeah. It didn't do it best, but it did it first, almost, you know. <laughs> Rewatching some footage of it recently reminded me a little bit of Xenoblade's interface, slightly, like, very distantly, but oh, I can really? see a little huh. bit. Yeah, but, um, yes, a couple of other ones. Uh, Lost Kingdoms, which is a inferior card RPG to one we will be talking about, <laughs> <laughs> and its sequel. um, And Pokemon Coliseum, both XD and the original, which we may well come back to because... We're big Pokemon fans here. We love Pokemon. Mm. And there were some unique and interesting games. But I don't know if there's any other ones that I've missed out other than those four or five, really. But I think we're going to get on with the big hitters now. And if I would go to Steph, because I believe me and you have been on episode for this series before, or two episodes which you graciously hosted. And (laughs) I think the biggest GameCube RPG that everybody knows and it's the kind of premiere kind of, everyone thinks of this series and goes oh, Tales of Symphonia that's the one I played Yay. yeah, so go um, ahead I've said,
2: I've said it before and I said it again um, In my like, when Tales of Symphonia first came out, it was my favourite game like of all time, at the time uh, it, it was definitely one of those big games that did it all you know had the side quest had the big overarching story it actually had really well written characters it was actually a lot of fun to you know listen to them banter uh the skits were a lot of fun and just in general i thought this game had it all
0: i yeah i am a big tells fan symphonia was my first um game in the series um i agree with you i played this game eight times on the gamecube yeah. i was <laughs> starved of rpgs and i just kind of got obsessed it was kind of It was the first RPG that I could share with other people, so I built up a really nice group of friends and we all had a GameCube and I just went oh, you should play this game. It's like 80 hours long and play it. And (laughs) they kind of dug into it and I remember it really fondly. I remember really I had some issues with some other characters but as I have got older, I've kind of really grown to love them and they are really well written. I don't Think.
2: I always have issues with Regal having some sort <laughs> of like scandalous affair with a what looks like a very young girl.
0: It's really bizarre, isn't it? Especially when you find out the whole Alicia prasea thing, and it's like, oh no, Prosea's actually older than Alicia, and you're just like, uh-huh.
2: like what?
3: It's
2: like the now nam- a lot more questions about that guy than I really want answered. You
0: know? <laughs> Regal also carries on the tradition of uh, tales of Midriff, so you know you're. Yeah. <laughs> It's gracious but um there are some really really solid characters in that game um i remember being kind of blown away by the combat at the time like 3d action rpg battles like holy cow that's pretty good it's a really funny like
2: they actually got together a pretty great cast of uh, voice acting superstars for that game too yeah and so it's one of those cases where it's like even though early voice acting in gaming was not good this game blew it away i think so like um one thing I like, too, is a lot of the dialogue wasn't terribly exaggerated or too hammy. They talk a lot, and, and they talk kind of plainly, so it's just, you, you hear a lot, but you don't, it's not very cheesy, at least. Even <laughs> when it is, they have fun with it. Do you mean? like Lloyd calls Colette a dork a bunch of times, and
0: <laughs> uh, what's her name? Heather Hogan just sounds really, really cute. Yeah. I love see Collette was a character I didn't like initially and then over the I still don't like her. <laughs> oh really? I've grown to like her quite a lot actually. I think she just reminds me of me like not being kidnapped all the time, but kind of like <laughs> oh no, I'm just carrying this thing over to you and then I fall over because I'm just clumsy. But um I just feel like half of her problems
2: would have been avoided if she spoke up in the first place and I always hate that kind of trope in games where it's yeah. like, you know, I don't
0: want to yeah. burden people. Mm, yeah. No, that's a bit of burden. <laughs> it's like oh no foreshadowing but
3: yeah yeah
0: it is a bit of a trope and i think tells us guilty of that anyway maybe less so i mean some of the newer stuff's been good but i think the game really worked a nice style too like the homes were really detailed the locations were all very unique and looked
2: really nice and yeah flying around on stupid birds and exploring two worlds was really cool yeah
0: really mm-hmm. i think going back because obviously it was ported to ps3 with all the ps2 editions Excuse the hammy translation and localization at times, because they made some really bad uh, text errors in those. They did manage to bring back all the voice actors, though, didn't they, for that, for the special, the um, Hayogis, so... No, they changed
1: um, Lloyd's voice, I remember that much. Oh! Who else
2: got changed?
0: I know between the sequel... And the original, they definitely did. I was
2: going to say, yeah, the sequel really botched it. They really should have forked over the extra pesos for that because it just sounded so jarring. (laughs) On top of being a worse game, you had different voice actors and you're just kind of looking at it funny the whole time. Just spoil everything, yeah. And then you got the two originals, Marta and Emil, who you just don't even want to hear talk at all.
0: (laughs) No, that was... I remember buying that day one and being so disappointed. I couldn't even get through about five hours of it. I was like, oh, really? (sighs) But, um... I mean, Keegan, I know you're a big Tales of Symphonia fan as well. I mean, what did
1: you, mm-hmm.
0: what did you think of it? Or what kind of sticks out Here's, to you?
1: Um, something I wanted to ask you guys. Did you ever play the multiplayer style, where each person controlled a different character on the battlefield?
2: Did not. How um, was it? Yeah.
0: That's I how...
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: I did, yeah. I had a friend who would um, usually... I'd have one person play Genus, and I would be Lloyd or Zelos and just go out and hack people. So yeah, I like... <laughs> it was okay. It worked.
1: That's how um me and my friends played it. And of course, I'm sure if I tried doing it now, older, I probably wouldn't have as much fun. But as a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy with three of his friends and we're all uh, playing the same RPG game together, uh, I it, it was a magical thing. We each had our own characters. I was Logan Regis whenever we'd switch off. And that, to me, increased the game even more. I played it again on the PS3, and of course, I still loved it. But it was just missing that... Camaraderie that I had with my friends yeah. of experiencing this story together for the first time.
2: It is a fact that any game goes up a full letter grade if you play it with your friends. And I think the game that really, really works with that is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, this is going to be a, a constant theme in my stories of playing these games with my friends.
0: That's really yeah. nice. Because then you look back, there's not many multiplayer RPGs. I mean... Before um. that, like, when was the last time you sat down in front of a console and played an RPG with friends? Probably Secret of Mana? I don't really know. Yeah. Like, otherwise you'd just have three people sitting there watching a film with you. Like, oh, wow, you're doing, <laughs> like, you're pressing the wrong button. And then... <laughs> but then this time you have people playing with you. I mean, going back to the voice actors, I think Tales of Symphonia was probably the first video game that actually paid attention to the voice acting. Metal Gear Solid aside, but... I was too young to understand what was going on in those games, but yeah, I think it was like the first time because you had Cam Clark. Speaking of Metal Gear Solid voice actors, who'd been in Grandia too, who'd been in The Lion King, who sings Simba in The Lion King, and I was like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> does he? Yeah, he does. I thought that was Matthew Broderick. Oh, I think in the second one maybe he may be in the oh. Lion King too, but um. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely Simba in Kingdom Hearts though which is oh, always okay. fun. Um, yeah, it was really the first game that I really appreciated voice acting and probably lore as well. I mean, Tales of Symphonia is, has a lot of in-game lore to go with it and it made me go out and seek Tales of Phantasia to really understand the whole world and understand the backstory behind Silver Art and Tethiart. Well, no, it's the other way around, isn't it? Because, uh... yes, it's the other way around because uh, Phantasia Fan- uh, is the p- sequel this is a prequel but oh yeah
1: that's right I forgot about that
0: yeah but it really made me want to go and find out like what happened before afterwards even and it was just a really cool concept and it made me it was really the first RPG that made me go and look at the series and everything and just get invested in characters that I'd never played games for but I really really like Symphonia I think now I've played more Tales games it probably wouldn't even come in my top 5 sadly but really? <laughs> I've got a lot of fond memories. Yeah, I'm a controversial Tales fan, so it's fine. And I hate Tales of Graces, so there you go. Ooh. <laughs> it's, fun. it's fun, but I hate everything else.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love the gameplay. I love nothing else about it. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> By love, I
2: mean love, but I mean everything else is just what in the hell.
0: Yeah, really. But no, I, I think... think... Like the three-note music catacomb dungeon. Ha. <laughs> I know exactly what one you mean. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nightmare fuel. But um, yeah, I think Tales of Symphonia. I know Destiny was your first one that you that came out in America, but I think most people probably picked up Symphonia first. And I think it holds a oh, really, without a doubt, really high. Yeah,
2: and you hear a lot of people always talk fondly about Symphonia because that was their first.
0: Mm, it's really, really <laughs> special, and hmm, I love it. But and what I'm less familiar about. And one that we've already brought up a couple of times. I mean, you'd think it was Final Fantasy podcast because, you know, <laughs> but Crystal Chronicles. I did play a bit of Crystal Chronicles, and I remember it was one of the games that I bought the link cable for for the um, GameCube to the GBA. All oh, like three games that used it. <laughs> Four Swords Adventure as well, which I forgot to add. Honest. But um, Keegan, I know you're a big fan of Crystal Chronicles, and please fire away and tell us about it.
1: And. Oh. Alright, so I know that um, a lot of people view Crystal Chronicles with a mixed bag, but again, goes up a letter grade because of all the fun times I had with my friends back in the day. But just um, I think I actually played this one before Symphonia, so when it came to like an action RPG, this was like the first time being, oh, I don't have to stand there like Final Fantasy IX and just get hit before I can do my moves. I can run at them and attack them, and that blew my childhood mind <laughs>
0: An RPG could also be actiony. It is really I, Yeah, there are I'm a sorry. lot of action RPGs act- on the GameCube now that I think about it. I think it is the first mm-hmm. console where I came across it as po- popular as it is now. I mean I mean you had Tales of the Star Ocean, but this was kind of the console. Oh, yeah. It was like three D, three D action <laughs> in a battlefield.
2: I had I yeah I had say, really though, fun
0: memories for uh, Crystal
2: Chronicles just because I played with my brother. We played it for like a week solid and straight. Uh, <laughs> after that, we didn't really touch it just because we completely burnt out on it. But we had so much fun in the meanwhile.
1: I will say though, I think that the whole link cable to the GBA thing
0: uh,
1: like, was a little bit of a mistake. Like I yeah. feel like it could have it, they could have accomplished what they needed to with just GameCube controllers.
0: Yeah yeah I think so.
2: It It basically made, like, too many layers to to just play it, and, you know, going between the two screens was just not much fun.
1: Exactly. Especially especially since it wasn't backlit
2: at the time. It's just... Yeah,
1: and if you have your friends, they need to have their own Game Boy Advances, and they need to have their own Link Cables so they can play the game.
0: Yeah.
1: It made it hard to get groups together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really. They were really hard to get hold of here as well with Link Cables. I think we managed to get hold of one, maybe two. I think I had two, because used to play four swords adventure with a friend so Mm. yeah i don't really have much first-hand experience with crystal chronicles other than playing it for a little bit but there are four races aren't there and they're obviously specializing in different types of things so there's the clavats litties is that how you say it or lilties Uh, i think
1: it's lilties lilties that's how i remember it
0: yeah the silkies and the yuki yukies i think but I do, I remember liking it visually, I actually really like the art style, having a little quick look around before the podcast started recording, it's really cutesy, and I remember it being the big deal, like I said earlier. Like, visually,
2: like... the game is really, really nice, visual, yeah. like on an audio-visual
0: mm-hmm. level, the game was
2: absolutely stunning, the music was really, really good, uh, the graphics, it had a really, kind of like how they did with Ivalice, I really like the kind of Crystal Chronicles world that they made. You know, it's kind of got a very folksy fairy tale kind of look to it, and it really, really worked.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <That's> it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's is gorgeous. Is it the
2: same artist or no? Uh, no, they got a different one for that one, but uh, yeah. yeah, still good. And then I like how they kind of expanded on that in front. Uh, Crystal Chronicles. Oh crap! It's that Wii game.
1: was oh, it the, uh, My Life as a King?
2: No, 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 no. Um, crap.
0: <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's like, it but, we starts, it.
2: but like, it actually kind of takes them from that kind of cutesy setting into a more, it, to slightly more in the future. Ah, crap, tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Uh... 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 <laughs> Go. It had like a really rock and roll, like, oh, crystal bearers, that's it. Oh, ah, okay.
3: My
0: tongue, that yeah. one. Anyways,
2: yes, yeah, so, like, they actually kind of, it, it's kind of cool because they kind of take the setting and kind of put it a bit into the future where they have like radios and stuff.
3: Hmm. You know, and I think that's actually kind of cool.
2: Yeah, like, Tales of Symphonia didn't really push the envelope in terms of, like, how different Fantasia was from Symphonia, even though thousands of years had passed. Uh, so I like that this one actually kind of made a few steps to doing that. And the Crystal Chronicles world is really, really interesting. And, you know, same thing, I kind of wish they'd bring back East as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. they're really good at making these worlds, and then
0: just saying, eh. <laughs> yeah, okay, next that. world. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Although East <laughs> is coming back in 14, so, you know. In some sure. way.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Evilus is coming is back in 14, yeah. Uh, the writers are writing a, um, a raid for it, or a raid scenario. So, at some point, you'll see. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. But, yeah, I mean, outside of... I mean, it's had a couple of sequels, so it had the two DS ones, didn't it? Or one DS one. And then it had the Wii
1: one. Yeah, they kind of went, went in different areas from what I remembered. I didn't play them as religiously as I played the original.
0: Basically, the whole Crystal Chronicle
2: series is them experimenting, I feel. Yeah, like, pretty it's just... much, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, the two DS ones were both really weird, but also kind of cool. Mm. like The <laughs> stories went to some weird places, uh, and they're kind of like the hack 3D, but, you know, again, like it's kind of cool that they experimented with the Crystal Chronicle series like they did. <laughs> it's kind of a mixed bag, but, I mean, you appreciate it.
1: Yeah. They even had the My Life as a King and Dark Lord, which were like the... Almost like strategy games. I never played those ones, yeah. but they were the WiiWare
2: titles. That was another one where I played it for like two days straight and then just got immediately burnt out. <laughs> but it was like, you know, like I already clocked like 20 hours. It's like, oh, okay. Definitely. My day is lost.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm looking it up right now. But it was actually a city building type of game
2: yeah. mixed with RPG oh. action. Oh, Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting. And I don't know. I actually really love when uh, Final Fantasy games do spin-offs.
1: Oh, yeah, need to find a way to play this sometime.
2: Like, I really do really do bring back Crystal Chronicles because yeah, that whole multiplayer element just cannot be denied. And having a co-op game, like I, I'm so sad that a lot of it's just kind of online cell phone stuff.
0: Definitely, because yeah, we really
2: need a good co-op game to happen again.
0: Yeah, the co-op RPG has kind of died out a little bit, I think. And Crystal Chronicles is an example that it can work if done properly. I mean. GameCube if they links. find crystal chronicles
2: it would be the best like mm. hands down you would have so much fun with that it would be a great party rpg kind of thing yeah because they had a really cool casting like system where you could like uh link up the circles and cast like
0: fire aga or whatever yes. yeah it was so cool <laughs> oh. Is crystal chronicles, yeah so like the one where you had to guide the caravan i feel like i remember that quite significantly I might be a little point. bit. Yeah, it's like the first level, isn't it? Or one of the first areas. I remember hating that bit a little bit, but...
1: Yeah, the big thing was carrying that crystal around that one of the players always had to to keep oh. the miasma away.
2: Oh, God. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, it's
2: when you do stuff like that and you don't have a full party of people, you just get mad. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, easy. like, just a few frustrating like, design decisions like that can really throw the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They made it easy on single player because you actually had a Moogle that would carry it for you the entire time. But if it was like a party of two, you're going to yeah. lose a friend because you're forcing them to carry crystals. <laughs>
0: yeah. But no, I think it's a good experiment. And it was a shame that there were not other Final Fantasy RPGs out on the system. Because mm. Nintendo and Square have kind of made brought it back and they've got some solid... But they've never really reached the same heights. I mean look at Final Fantasy for The After Years as episodic on the Wii and be like, oh, really? Why did that yeah. need to exist and stuff? But it was a nice thing. It was kind of everyone lost it because it was like, oh, yes, Square and Final Fantasy and stuff. And and at least the most <laughs> Tactics, Tactics Advance Final Fantasy Tactics Advance came out of that. So that's not a bad thing. But okay, like...
1: I really like Tactics Advance almost <laughs> more than I like the original Tactics, but I was younger when I played both of them. <laughs> ah, and advance was way more accessible to yes. my developing brain than oh, the original yeah. tactics.
2: Really, um, even with the laws?
1: Like for some reason, every time, and I kind of need to go back and play it now that I'm in my twenties. But I have never been able to get far in Final Fantasy Tactics. Like I'm talking, like I've only been able to beat the first mission, and that's it.
2: Oh wow! This is why we only talk about certain things on podcasts where nobody else can uh, <laughs> weigh in. <laughs> we'll exactly. I'll wait for the fallout
1: later,
2: okay? <laughs> oh. uh, but no, I feel that. I get that, actually.
0: Yeah. So it's just, a, you know, I think Crystal Chronicles as a series has kind of stopped a little bit. I mean, the last reference I remember was in the rhythm games, the theater rhythm games, where they had some of the music, yeah. and that was really cool. But yeah, it doesn't seem to have gone much further than, I don't think we've had a game since the Wii, or maybe the 3DS might have had one. Someone will correct me on that. But um. it's a shame it's died out and it was a good worthy experiment and it's an example that the gamecube i've kind of paired them so like you've got multiplayer rpgs and now incidentally i'm going on to some slightly more obscure ones so i bought up lost kingdoms earlier as a kind of card based rpg an inferior card based rpg because there is a kind of small under under love series i think that kind of i think should be championed more on the gamecube and that is the Baton Kytos series and I love these games there's two games I believe it's Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean which is the longest title (laughs) subtitle ever for RPG it's a lot of fluff too like it's a meaningless title yeah really (laughs) Eternal Wings of the ocean, and then you see the end You're of the You're already game.
2: confusing people enough with the Baton Kaito's. Just don't add to it. Huh.
1: And then <laughs> but it sounds cool.
0: It does sound sure, cool. Sure,
2: yeah.
0: I remember seeing But the voice
2: acting not, so.
0: <laughs> oh, we will. The t- cheeseburger. Oh, Jesus.
2: <laughs> <sighs> I mean, There's nothing like being a kid and even still thinking that stuff is cheesy. Like,
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, was I feel like kids time.
2: don't have a high bar for that but no <laughs> thank I'd, you Baton Kaito
0: because I used to think oh it sounds raspy but it's not that bad and then I replayed it when I was like maybe 18 or 19 and then sort of went oh boy here we are oh. but uh, <laughs> at least the sequel improved on that which is more Simply Titan Baton Kaito's origins but I think I'll drive <laughs> in with the first game first because I prefer the first game kind of slightly unpopularly I think because it's slightly slower um these games have a really, really cool story and really really cool lore, and I really want to bring the- them to bring this series back, but unfortunately Monolith are off doing bigger, grander things, which I also love, so it's okay. I'll let them off of Xenoblade and stuff like that. <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, Baton Katos. I mean, it's one of those cases where it's like, I'm so sad, I love Baton Katos
2: so much, but they're doing Zelda what do I do? Just be happy
0: all yeah. the time. I can't have a happy medium, so... And I don't yeah. know whether I want Namco to just kind of go off with it. But, yeah, they did Eternal Sonata as well, which was fairly cool. I like that. Well, that was Tri-Crescendo more, but um, Tri-Crescendo mm. had a hand in on Baton Katos. Anyway, I love the lore of these games. They're really clever, so basically they are... In- Hundreds of years ago, there was an ocean. It got swallowed up by a giant whale. So now humans started developing angel wings, or bird wings, or whatever. And Eternal Wings has you playing as Callus, who only has one wing, and he has a mechanical wing, which is like the coolest thing in the world. But
3: <laughs>
0: as my like little preteen self was like, oh, I want that! I want to build one. I can't build. I feel wings. like the tech in his
2: wing is way better than anything else in that game. Yeah. De- <laughs> this wing is the only advanced thing in that
0: game it's way better than any of those <laughs> Alphard ships or anything but um, yeah it was a really funky little card based system so it was turn based and you'd have like a deck of cards which would tell you to attack, heal certain characters would have magic so you'd have corresponding weapons so Callus would have sword cards Gibari would have oars there's a character who fights with an oar so there's a winner there <laughs> And then you've got guns.
2: Kabari was basically just, like, Waka (laughs) 2.0. He was. He
0: was cooler than Waka, to be fair, though. He's, like, the best dad in the world. Yeah, he was, like, awesome wannabe dad. I like him. Um, And then there's... Savina has fists, Liyud has guns, and then you have Shella and Mizuti, who are both magic users. Uh, One of them specializes more in... Ice, no water, fire, and light, or water, wind, and light, and the other one specializes more in fire. chronos and dark. So it's chronos. actually a pretty
2: balanced party, yeah. So they actually had mm. fun with that. Where like Liu'd used light and dark. Uh, yes, Sylvana used uh, fire and water, which wasn't very helpful. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> there were not many like you're either doing a max amount of damage or a very low
0: amount of damage and I love that they actually let you do uh like card damage based on straights and all that stuff yeah so I was going to get into that was cool. awesome so the cards had numbers so they had one number each on each corner and one on the top left right and bottom although some of them did I think the further along the game you got you'd be more likely to get better cards that had a better selection of numbers and basically you got bonus damage if you got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 by the end of the game and you get like i don't know double damage or something like that and you also had finisher moves as well so if you hit like nine attack eight attacks and then a finisher move and it was one to nine i think it was called eternal sunrise or something and then you got eternal sunset which was the opposite so if you went nine to one but if you used corresponding elements you got bonuses and things like that and it was a bit Hmm. slower than the sequel so this i can't quite remember the sequel's battle system as well I think it was I'll fairly ship in there. good, yeah, because I'm not as okay <laughs> with it. Um, it didn't come out in Europe, so I had to import origins and get a, a cheat code disc. Shh. But um, you know, <laughs> it was worth it. But one thing I will say about, I think I'll start with, I'll carry on with the original, and then we will jump into the sequel. Um, but these games look amazing, even oh, now. The clouds, man, they the clouds. are um, the some of the best art direction, along with I think Wind Waker it's probably the best looking game on the gamecube and the sequel i think they look phenomenal and i think for all of the kind of non-effort that went into the english voice acting it's kind of made up (laughs) The japanese voice acting's good but um oh they just look wonderful and i love the art direction of these games and i love how each of these island nations have got different themes so you've got like the Diadem, which is like the really royal kind of watery based one. And then you've got um oh I can't remember the name of the jungle one. Oh. But Oh,
2: uh Hollow or something. Holla hollow um... or
0: yeah, it's very Hawaiian either way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's very nice tropical Hawaiian dungeon. You've got Mira, which is really weird. So there's a city based oh, off of A new anyway, that's right. That's, that's the tropical one. <laughs> you have got Mira called which...
2: it Nuenu for a while. So you
0: know, just more yeah. stupid RPG pronunciations. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Mira's my favorite uh, place because it's kind of it's uh, hidden wild, in wild. Like, yeah, it's wild. So there's a sweet city. Isn't they there? look like they had a lot of fun with that city? The cities in that one too. Love it. And then al which is the militaristic place. And then you've got uh, the place beneath the clouds. I cannot remember again what that place is called. It's oh, on the... Yeah, where all the masked people live. And they're all really crazy. Like, mazuti's not crazy enough for you, like, floating on a boat in the middle of the uh, sky, in the ocean. So, you know, it's fine. But um, I do... I really rate the art direction. And I really rate the soundtrack. Because everyone we talked oh, about yeah. tales of symphonia and we didn't mention the music there's probably a i, I mean i've got soft spot for tales of symphonia soundtrack but not because of the quality of it maybe whereas ban katos and its sequel i think are some of sakuraba's best soundtracks ever they're right up there with valkyrie profile star ocean 2 i'm a big fan of them i think they're so good i just remember I've, they're, they're, they're so weird as well so you've got, like, really... I always tried
2: singing the Mira song as best I could that
0: oh,
2: of just making stupid whale noises <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. but it was so cool though like you don't really hear songs like that and it really really worked for Mira no, so yes you... um, it's
0: like one of these the, really... the, the, a
2: lot of the dramatic or even like the Ice Palace like it did like even dramatic tunes really really well yeah and uh, the Anu Anui theme is just so delightful and pleasant that I could just listen to that 500 times in a row Yes. Yeah, and so... kind of do with Stupid Dance and flow, throw flower petals
0: petals in the air. You do have some really... It's another good RPG soundtrack that's good at representing each nation, so you could listen to a track and tell you, oh, that's from this place, or this is from Anuinoe, and that's from there, and it's also got really good variation in terms of styles, so it's got some of the coolest... I think it's, again, some of Sakuraba's best guitar tracks. <laughs> I love the yeah. best music in this game, especially... And then you've got the really weird techno one that plays when you're fighting the um, <laughs> uh, Giacomo. Uh, the big bosses, yeah.
2: Giacomo yeah. and oh. crazy
0: rabbit chick, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was. I have nightmares about those bosses. Especially the oh, first so one. You, get st-
2: you essentially mm. had to work that kind of straight in the flesh and all that stuff to actually uh, beat them. Yeah. Without power
0: leveling stupidly. Especially if you get locked in, because it's a dungeon you get locked into once you're in there. You can't leave, so. You can't, like, level up or anything like that. Because you... That's the point. Leveling up in this game was weird. So you had to go to churches to level up. So a little bit like the churches in Dragon Quest, where you have to go and heal up. There were red flowers, which were save points, and then blue flowers, which were save points in churches. So you'd take all your experience points that you'd built up, and you'd go and talk to the priest, and he would level you up based on how many experience points you got. So a lot more
2: effort than you really had to want it to go through (laughs)
0: yeah definitely i thought it was a really cool idea um but yeah it's just a little kind of like extra two or three steps i don't need to do that did they take that oh god they did and uh did
2: they and there was also a really yeah they did take it out and there was also it needs to be mentioned a
0: dessert village yes wait really yeah, yes, there was a dessert village. It was good. You
2: actually, I think you actually ate your way out of a bad situation at one point. You eat
0: yourself out of prison, don't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. That amazing. Kibori's is just like, let's eat the walls, and Callus I mean, is like, a yeah, why not? Sense the humor sometimes. Like all of the
2: NPCs in the second game are honest to god on some scale of really goofy. Yeah, From not too goofy to absolutely like rolling around, literally rolling on the floor, being stupid. Definitely. Um, oh. um, I also really like the whole card thing that you could actually use that as like a puzzle adjunct. You could use like clouds to kind of make a path or something like that or get water to like help a uh a, a dehydrated n p c so they actually mixed a lot of the card based stuff you know not only into attacks but into some pretty cool like gameplay gimmick,
0: yeah, so they were basically they mm-hmm.
2: ate, so like if you had food, it would rot
0: or it, you, yeah. know, you could combine it. So cool. It was so clever. So, you could make rice wine, couldn't you, by like fermented soybeans and something else? And it was really clever. And also, they used it as really good plot devices because obviously, the five parts of the god are the cards, the Magnus, the five Magnus and I guess Archelebo, some oh, wow. God you And <laughs> I, I, I
2: totally remember flipping out when I first saw that spoiler of what like what all that is. So I was like, oh my god Um but that yeah. and like the whole like uh the the whole big spoiler that of course baton Kaitos is known for about about Tiro is just phenomenal.
0: I love that's probably one of my favourite plot twists in any RPG forever, I believe. So Yeah. <laughs> for that it's really <laughs> worth playing and it's the kind of big slap in the face it happens oh no the game's continuing what's going on here but one thing again that i also really liked about the games was the system so you're not playing as the main character essentially you are a spirit and you have you are basically the perspective you have is like you're sitting there or you're a spirit in the sky watching the character so you get to name your spirit obviously just name it after yourself or whatever and Quite often, the characters will always refer to you and ask you questions, and you'll give advice and whatever else. But it was a really cute, cool mechanic that this game, these games had. But, and it's um, cool that it would actually help you out in
2: battle. Like if you if you kind of really jived with your spirit, then uh, you you know you kind of throw in better cards into the deck. Yeah, oh. like that's a cool
0: idea. <laughs> they threw some really good ideas at it, but I just think maybe for the first one in particular, I think the slower battle system, the really terrible dub and also
3: <laughs>
0: there was just some bits in it that just didn't click for a lot of people and I think it it undersold which is why the sequel didn't come over here one final thing about the first game before we jump into origins is the really cool but slightly annoying side quest where you have to fill out the family tree uh. ah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe there are characters who can die during the process of the story aren't there that you can't go back I and did fill not know in that.
2: Wow. I can't remember really?
0: I don't know if I'm quite right, but I know there are certain. There basically, if you don't do it all as you're going, then you'll fail, because the
2: game was really cute too. Like it had
0: a whole bunch of like
2: Namco references. So there was like a Golden Axe dungeon that oh, literally Tower had you of running Drauga around. Six... Oh, well. that's it. Yeah. Yes. So there was one of those, and you actually pick up like little eight-bit axes and all that kind of stuff, or uh, <laughs> you actually fight a Gnosis from Xenosaga. Or um, you could age like a cosmos card after like 200 or something stupid game hours. Like they threw in a oh. lot of really cute Easter eggs. Yes. And Origins had a Pac Man card that uh, yes. that actually ate cards or something like that. <laughs> Did. Yeah. Oh. That ate cards beside it. Like it's it's pretty wild the stuff the uh, the amount of measures they went into that game. They had a lot of fun with it. You could tell.
0: Definitely. Oh. But yeah, Origins. Origins is the more well-received game, and for being faster-paced, better dubbed. The dub is miles, miles better. You can tell they've invested. Oh, Gilo. You can... Gilo is so cool for that. Oh, do you know what? Gilo has got to be one of my... <laughs> I don't like Origins as much as um, Eternal Wings. Maybe it's... I feel like I prefer the slightly slower battle system in this case. I also had a really bad experience with the penultimate boss fight. That boss took me over an hour, and I don't even know why... Uh- it was just long. I can't remember what it is. but um... Was it
2: one of the ones with the main bad in that game, I think? Because it's... it's really hard. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's just a pretty tough battle. Yeah, they had pretty tough game. One thing was game. Weird about that game, too, is like, it was actually better to stay with a small deck... Like it's yes. one of those games that like like you'll level up and you can expand your deck, but honestly, it was actually way better to just keep a very tiny, tiny deck of maybe thirty cards or something like that.
0: Yeah, you could have up to yeah forty, can or fifty maybe in the... yeah, and
2: it just technically would not be actually better for you gameplay wise to keep that up.
0: Yeah, definitely. just
2: sort of ironic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, but uh, Origins is an overall more polished experience, way faster. Dubs way better, and as you said, Gilo Gilo is probably one of the best characters ever I mean he's <laughs> dual, he, it's dual gendered it's a robot that has a male and a female voice they speak at the same time so cool Steph probably The effect really than... works
2: out and it kind of adds a kind of interesting ambiguity to like Gilo's feelings for Sagi, is you know kind of bizarre and nonsense as they are Yeah He's definitely <laughs> You know but it just kind of adds uh, very strangeness to it It's a And it sounds
0: great like you know I
2: feel like the anger really comes out in the male voice a bit more or you know and just kind of the softer tones really come out with the female voice actress a bit more
0: Yeah it works as well because I think blending their two voices together you really get the sass off of Gilo at all times he is such a little teen. Let me
2: eat this wench. Yeah, yeah. and just
0: the a real <laughs> sassy angry lines. Yeah, I re- <laughs> See, the main cast is a lot smaller for origins, and uh, it takes place 20 years prior to the events of Baton Kytos, so you basically get some answers as to where this ancient god's come from, why Alphard is such a terrible nation, so you start off as somebody who works for the Alphard Empire, he basically gets kicked out of the Alphard Empire, and um, let's see, girl, what's her name? I've forgotten her Millie. name. Millie Milliard Milliard, that's her name. So Millie will take you takes you off and she wants to help you kind of uncover what's going on with Alfard and why they're basically going corrupt and everything. So it's a really cool Again, it, it's definitely
2: it's got a bit of sequelitis despite its prologue status. Um, yeah. So, like, a lot of the story beats aren't nearly as interesting, even when you're playing as the, uh, the sort of Laguna dream group. You know, it's just. Yeah. Eh. Uh, but, like, since the battle system was a lot more polished, and, uh, you know, a lot of the locals and the, you know, the sights and sounds were just a bit more interesting. I think it's, like you said, it's a bit more of a polished title, so you can enjoy it a lot more. It's nice. But, yeah, a lot of it's just the same story beats, where you just go into the different villages. It's like, all right, cool, whatever.
0: It is, it is nice to re-explore the areas, and, of course, you get some new areas as well. So it is always really, really nice. And it's nice to see some of the characters that you've got in the first game in this prequel, because yeah. you see That's Givari <laughs> as, like, a 14-year-old, the king of... King Ladakan who's the prince at this point, I believe. You get Giacomo, who you have to fight again, and you see Liud's nan, don't you, I believe? Nanny, and the kids when they're really yeah. young, and it's all... You even run into, like, what might be, like, Callus
2: as, as a... like, before he was born, I guess? Yes. You, you kind of really. run into his dad, I guess? Definitely.
0: Yeah, it yeah. was a really... Clever. It was really clever, and those dream sequences. I oh, I did not like them at all. Like they weren't as cool as the, the Laguna Dreams. The dungeons just,
2: sucked. The dungeons. Yeah, the sucked. dungeons were really obnoxious. I must
0: say, actually, this I don't. The dungeons aren't too bad in either games, but those ones are terrible. I think the only dungeon I remember disliking in the first was the, the moving block one, which I have a history. Oh, what of about hating. the cool of fractured mirror dungeon? I love the fractured mirror dungeon. That was is that awesome. Cool? I loved that. <laughs>
2: But yeah, the the game did really cool dungeons, like from gimmick, you know, from gimmick to concept to execution. Yeah. I think uh even it started keep doting on the first game, but they had like a kind of not necessarily it was like a first person perspective where it's like uh it kind of the camera kind of follows you, but not, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know the main... it, but basically it always follows behind you and you have to know the direction of where you're going based on that the so it's not dungeons. like it's a top down view you just have to kind of read the map as if it's
0: always coming at you from behind you yeah that's the one underneath the cloud nation isn't it i remember getting really yeah, frustrated by that and i just ended up drawing it out basically but um yeah. yeah the only dungeons i don't really remember liking are the tower the tower of do you remember the block tower where you have to press all the blocks and that building. one sucked, yeah. I hate that. I hate block tower dungeons anyway, and I hate moving platforms. Um, And I don't like the one in the swamp either. Ugh, so slow. <laughs> oh. um, God,
2: but, yeah, there, there are just a ton of, like, really interesting ones in that game, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, damn t- it, yeah. They're totally under love games. They are really underappreciated, and don't know how hard the music they are, is good, The plot is good. It's
2: definitely a really good game that I... I pray to God that they somehow find a way to port or something. Yeah. It'd be a great title to revisit. I agree. I'll definitely. It was so it. pretty, too. I love uh, pre-rendered backgrounds in general in games. <laughs> I miss them a lot. I like, if it. the graphics couldn't be that good, at least you could make a really nice kind of matte painting of one. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, because I remember Alfard was just all, like, shiny metal. Gold. And it was so brilliant yeah basically everything looked like a giant tuba or something like that it was just a big <laughs> tuba city and everything was gold and bright and brilliant and yeah from top to bottom that game is just something to look at
0: <laughs> i want to go play it now so do i <laughs> my game keeps sitting in my drawer right underneath me i'm like i'm gonna get out and play it but see now you've reminded me that liot's weapons weren't guns they were tubes they were they were different yeah, types of trumpet. See-
2: they were trumpets. Which is amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it really makes sense, and the game doesn't really care to explain it, but you're just kind of like, all right. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah, Musical cool. weapons.
0: <laughs> let's do it. But um, something else that's kind of obscure on the GameCube. This is another series that's been underloved, and it has had another game since the GameCube iteration. Um, I think Keegan expressed some interest on our group chat the other day about this game. I got it confused with something else, but Custom Robo. I've not had any experience of playing. Please tell me about it, because it looks really cool, and (laughs) I feel like I should have played it.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a very fantastic game. One of my personal favorites from the GameCube generation. It's basically an action RPG where you play as a commander of a tiny little, I think it's like 30, 32 centimeter tall robot. And basically you go into these little battle arenas, and you just destroy other mechs. And the big level-up system uh, is through getting new pieces, kind of. So it gives you an idea of, like, building a actual miniature model of, like, a Gundam or something like that. We're just constantly switching out pieces and weaponry. And they actually improve your little robot.
2: Actually
0: sounds pretty great.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so much fun.
2: <laughs> I and...
0: remember seeing it, I think. Is there a trophy in Smash Bros for custom Robo, possibly? or?
1: I believe there is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure,
0: yeah. I remember the little like blue and red robot, which I think is the little, like mascot kind of yeah. image on the front cover. I probably remember looking at it and going, It looks a little bit like kitty tra- not kitty transformers, but you know what I mean, like super fun action, high octane kind of oh like, <laughs> things in <laughs> gotcha. that. But um apparently there's a chicken robot, which I just think. <laughs> Am I yes. right?
1: I'd have to look back for that one specifically. <laughs> I don't remember that from my memory banks, but there were so many interesting robot designs that would come throughout the game. Like, I don't remember exactly who the artist was, but they really put love and effort into this. And I actually found out when I was um, researching the game earlier this week, the first custom robo actually came out for the Nintendo 64 in Japan back in 99.
0: Oh, so it's a series. So I think...
1: <laughs> I think we've beaten out Quest 64.
0: Yay! Hey, that's good.
1: But yeah, it actually um, is a whole series, but over in the West, uh, North America specifically, got the GameCube custom robo for the first time. And then worldwide, there was a custom robo arena for the DS, which is yes. the first time and only time it showed up in Europe.
0: Yeah, that's why I've heard of it, I think. That's why I missed it completely. Looking at the list, I think there's a GBA game as well. And also, the second custom Robo came out on Virtual Console. But, again, I think it was only released in Japan. It was an interstitial yeah. one.
1: A lot of it has really stayed overseas, which is very sad to me. Because this game is just so much fun. And I think, honestly, it might be a little too much action-y for people who are looking for a more traditional RPG. Because... A lot of it really is you don't experience the game until you're running and shooting around in the arena. But I just, <laughs> I just feel such sadness. Even, to looking back at the reviews, I'm like, of course I expect that I have some rose-tinted glasses looking back on everything. But it just makes me sad, and I want to see more and more of it, especially as, you know, I feel like in the 2000s we see a lot more customization coming into RPGs, you know? Yeah. Especially oh, with Western yeah, RPGs. Yeah. It's become such a staple that I feel if Custom Robo made a comeback I think it could really find a home on the Switch You know, especially... sounds like one of those
2: games, like, whatever the Switch is maybe they'll, like, release, release another version of it and surprise audiences everywhere or whatever. But yeah, exactly. I totally think that game would totally fit, like, whatever they're doing right now. Maybe they can kind of Kid Icarus revive it.
1: Exactly yeah. I mean, okay, if they can bring back Kid Icarus successfully, they can definitely bring back Custom Robo successfully I guess... I would probably...
0: Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I guess in my head I'm relating a little bit to Sin and Punishment, and kind of the same kind of... It didn't get as much attention, and then they released you know, like, and Sin and Punishment eventually got a sequel on the Wii, which was cheesy, but it was good, and then they re-released it, and that so... And that worked. If they can reboot, as you say, Kid Icarus, and if they can reboot Sin and Punishment, Custom Rebel would fit in, because mech RPGs have not always been amazingly big. I mean, Xeno, the Xeno series is probably the only one that's really consistently hit high with mech RPGs but Custom Robo looks like a lot of fun and I think, like you said, the the ability to customise, you'd have online play, you'd have things like...
3: Oh, without you know, a
0: doubt. Yeah, it would be something that would be really good and, again, because Europe didn't get it, it's another title that I've kind of missed out <laughs> on, sadly. Um, but yes. I but um...
1: Oh, sorry. sorry. Like I mentioned before, um, Custom Robo was another one that you could also play with friends, but it had a more um, FPS-style multiplayer to it. But to acquire new stuff for the multiplayer itself, you would have to play through the game, which I found a nice incentive for younger players like I was who enjoyed more action than story. (laughs) I thought that was a cool thing that I don't see um, a lot of in RPGs, you know, where the multiplayer section is not completely separate, but requires you completing more and more of the story before you can enjoy it.
0: Oh! That yeah. Like, really um, that's really good, actually.
1: It's very basic at the start of it. Like, I think there's only four different mechs, and there's not a lot of customization. Um, only a couple of arenas. But as you continue on, it unlocks more and more, and that's where, that's where, like, the meat of the game is right there.
0: Oh, wow. Oh,
1: man, I'm, I'm getting... <laughs> This episode's giving me a lot of flashbacks to
0: my game <laughs> Good. And I'm really enjoying that's what That's what it's here for. The Custom yeah. Robo is something I like the, doing these episodes because they introduce me to things that I've never heard of and Custom Robo is I've heard of it but I've never gone like what's that game? Like I've never known about the GameCube one. I've probably heard of the N64 and the DS ones but
3: yeah.
0: no, that's the joy of Smash Bros is that it gave me that like it gave me <laughs> exactly. Fire Emblem. So that's <laughs> something else I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode actually, the Fire Emblem. GameCube game, which I don't think many of us have experience with, sadly, because I'm not the biggest Fire Emblem fan. Um, but the, this was the first console, RP, console entry, I think, since the SNES era. So everyone raves about it, and everyone, I've been told quite faithfully by Mike Salosi that Mike um, <laughs> is the most overpowered lord in the whole of the series, and I can believe that playing him in Smash Bros. Brawl.
3: Yeah. He's pretty
0: hench, <laughs> just like his
3: huge it's sword. Like
0: a tank. He's like a tank. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, that just reminded me of that because it's another series that they brought back on the game. <clears throat> you know, it's just successfully. But um, yeah, uh, so I'm going to jump. I'm going to take our helm again with where these two are kind of paired up. I've just unintentionally paired these together. So these two next games, one is definitely an RPG. One is definitely a Zelda game. But um, <laughs> you know, so are talk you about... sure about that? I'm pretty sure about that. So, <laughs> the these are the two big hitters of Nintendo. So if you think of Nintendo, you think of Mario, and you think of Zelda. So, back in 1996, nobody thought Mario and RPGs would work, and the SNES misproved everybody that RPGs and Mario does work. And the N64 further cemented that with Paper Mario. Um, I didn't experience Paper Mario on the N64 when it first came out, but I did get to experience the Thousand Year Door, which is the GameCube sequel, and... I believe, one of our highest rated editor's choices on the... It's, I think it's the only editor's choice we have on the GameCube, actually, <laughs> which is quite an achievement. I think nice, lovely John Tooker reviewed that for us, and he's a big Paper Mario fan. Um, but um, I never played... Super Mario RPG never came out in Europe. Look at this. Like Everyone's like, oh, not again. It's like every episode I like to bring that up. This game didn't come out <laughs> here at this time.
3: <fine>. Um...
0: <laughs> but um so the thousand and paper mario was really hard to get hold of it came out right at the end of the n64's lifespan and even a couple of years afterwards like box copies were going for 200 pounds and things like that so i didn't get to try that out until the uh virtual console re-release so uh, the thousand year door was my first experience and oh my god what an experience how fun how funny was
2: laugh out loud funny yeah like stitches
0: i mean absolutely brilliant i i had played superstar saga beforehand and i loved that and it was hilariously brilliant but oh my god paper mario is just kind of worlds away because it's so much more clever like it's traditional mario in an rpg on the gba whereas you're a paper thin piece of mario walking around (laughs) a town where you know, there's, like... There's Coopers who are blatantly getting drunk and things like that, and it's, like... I just... I don't know. Like, Paper Mario is a wonderfully gleeful game. Um,
1: yeah, it has those surprisingly dark moments where you, um... If you look at it hard enough, you're like, wait, this is kind of weird to see in a Mario game. Yeah. Like, the, the noose in the first town, there's just, like, a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, like... It, there's no nobody hanging in it, of course, but just the implication like, that... In the Mario world, executions happen. It's like, oh, God.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> But no, it's like, they're really... I was genuinely surprised. Like, I think, again, actually, I'd forgotten about it. Along with along The with Zelda, Wind Waker, and um, and Katos, I think Paper Mario is one of the best-looking games on the GameCube because oh, it's just God, so yes. bright and colourful and pretty to look at. and It's like, like in a picture book story. And okay. I, I always get really sad thinking about Paper Mario because... The Thousand Year Door was kind of the last really good solid, like, it was the last proper RPG one and also mm. the last, like, exceptionally good one because Super Paper Mario that came out on the Wii is the creepiest game I've ever played. It's also, Really? It's so creepy! Have you ever played Super Paper Mario? No, i played
1: it. It's been a while, but I've never thought of it necessarily as super creepy, so I'm curious... I mean... <laughs> what makes it
0: for you? The, <laughs> so, I'm going to mix it up a little bit with the Wii game. So, the River Twigs, for example, where the hands, where you're swimming, there are hands grabbing up at you? Like, I just... That bit freaks me out. And also, there's this little girl. Like, <laughs> is it Mimi? Mimi, the one who turns into a spider. So, like, her okay. head to tu- So, there's this girl, and her head turns upside down, and she suddenly sprouts spider legs out of the bottom of her head, where her neck should be. <laughs> I just—I'm just
1: slowly realizing that I think I've like repressed memories of <laughs> Super
0: Paper Mario. Because <gasps> yes.
1: when you started, I was like, "That's not that creepy." and I'm like, "Oh, remember nope, that bit. No, that's
0: creepy. Yeah, but um, anyway, Paper Mario is—I think he's just going on. It's a pretty simple story. He's gone to Rogue Port to save Princess Peach, get the stars, blah blah blah. Um, is it? It's hard. I remember some of the boss battles mm-hmm. in this game being quite hard. Um the shadow queen which is like one of the last bosses of the game is ridiculous like i just could i don't think i ever beat it i think i just youtube the ending like a couple of years later and <laughs> i was like oh yay but um i don't remember too much about this game because it, it's it's 13 years old and i haven't played it since it first came out i remember the quirky little traveling partners you get and my favorite too you got um a woman genie who was like a cloud she was really purple had really big earrings And then okay, so there's three. Then there's there's a level that I really specifically remember, which I think is a wrestling or Coliseum level where you have to do loads of fights, and in it you get a Yoshi egg, and the Yoshi egg has got a little mohawk, and he's so cute (laughs) and so angry. (laughs)
1: That's Yoshi.
0: He's so cute, but he just wants to kill everybody. I'm like, please don't. He's adorable. I just, I can't ride him though. Oh, you do ride him, don't you? So each party member gets a special ability that you can use on the field. And so like the previous woman who I've forgotten her name, she can like blow gusts of wind to blow things out of the way. And Yoshi you can ride around a little bit and just, I think you can go up steeper hills or something like that. Uh, the other character who I really strongly remember is the witch lady. So there are three witch sisters in the creepy tree, creepy steeple, I believe. That might even be the N64 level. But there's another, like, haunted forest level where you have this purple witch with the pink hat. And I think she makes you sink into the ground, into the shadows, basically. And then you can come up on the other side of things. But it's a really good... The the prequel and the sequel are really, really good examples of how to do really different RPGs. And, like, Mario works as an RPG. Mm -hmm. It's been proven a million times. I think the Superstar Saga as well has kind of slipped a little bit. So I think... The last good one was Bowser's Inside Story. And I'm not saying that any of them are bad, but they're just kind of, like, dipped in quality. They have a different feel to them. Yeah, they're yeah. not the same. It's almost like they've kind of flogged the dead horse for too long, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, like, the Paper Mario games that have come out after the Thousand Year Door have not been as high quality as Mario's Super Paper Mario 64 and the Thousand Year Door, because Super Paper Mario sticker star which i never touched and then what was the other one color splash Splash. yeah they took some extra gimmicks that weren't necessarily needed i mean it's a piece of paper he's a piece of paper walking around there's a gimmick there in itself kind of and yeah i remember having a lot of fun with it It oh
1: wasn't there a DS or 3DS Mario RPG, where Paper Mario actually joins, like, the Superstar Saga Mario & Luigi?
2: Oh, yes, there is. I That's don't... a newer one, right? That's a... I
1: think so. It's like a vague memory to me. I don't know if I just, like, saw it or something. But... I don't
2: think it's that old. Yeah, I just don't really remember it too good, which, again, I think kind of says to the... Not quality, but just kind of memorability. Yeah. It's not has not been the same since.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, for me personally... I have very good ideas of, like, the Paper Mario story and the Thousand Year Door story, but everything after that kind of just, like, clumps together, you know? I have a hard time differentiating it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of indicative of the fact that the series has sloped a little bit. I cannot remember what it's called, though, and it's going to kill me, and I'm going to look it up, so... (laughs) Uh, Paper Jam! Uh, Paper Jam! yeah no I completely forgot about it I had to really think about Sticker Star as well because that wasn't great Um, I think the Thousand Year Door is the kind of again it's the end point of that series being really fantastic they're fairly Mm -hmm. good now Super Paper Mario is a platformer more than anything and it's probably worth a play just to see how like people say the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask are some (laughs) of the scariest Nintendo games go play Super Star Super Paper Mario and tell me what you think after that and I back. think we we'll
1: am going to have to play through it again now, just after hearing your critique of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's just gained legendary status among kind of like, <laughs> this video game is not scary, but these are scary moments in it. you know? But, so I think we're kind of <laughs> going to wean off of, we're not going to end our episode as such, but I think, as is, the GameCube and Nintendo, as I've said, are well known for Mario and Zelda, and the GameCube came with it to... One and a half, let's say, because Twilight Princess was shared with the Wii, but yeah. it came with one really solid Zelda game, which one people scoffed at at the time, and you look back on that like 12, 13 years later, and go, people were not happy with Wind Waker, people were not very happy at all with it, and I just think, oh, oh okay,
1: going to One thing I forgot to mention on the Thousand Year Door one, kind of mm-hmm. want to throw it in before we moved on. Yeah, but I loved how the battle system worked in that game. Not so much how it played, but how it literally took place on a stage yeah, with an audience yeah. cheering either Mario and his <laughs> companion or the enemies, and that is awesome.
0: They were really, really cool. I and you got scored, didn't you, based on the amount of applause yeah. you got in boss fights, especially. I remember, but I don't remember if there were oh, yeah. normal com- battles as well.
1: Um, I don't. I'm not sure about the score, but I know there was always an audience watching you, even in normal combat.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Could- help or hinder you, depending on how much they liked you.
0: Yeah, definitely, because there were some boss fights where you deliberately didn't have a crowd, and you would mm. be left to fail. I think maybe the Colosseum ones might have been an example. Oh, yeah. I definitely need to replay this game. <laughs> definitely. By the way,
1: it was Madame Fleury, who was the genie woman, that's and Vivian. Right. I had to look it up.
0: Vivian, that's the one. Yes, I do remember them. And there was a bomb, I think. The bomb captain. Uh, uh, yeah. But nah, never mind. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so, as I said, we've got two of the big hitters on the GameCube, Mario and Zelda, and it wouldn't be a Nintendo podcast if we didn't bring up a Zelda game, but say Twilight, there's two really good Zelda games on the GameCube, there's Twilight Princess. Even though we're
2: still really torn about whether or not to include them, and the debate <laughs> never ever ends, but well, let's
0: do it anyways. Yes,
2: well, I mean, I And think- at least annoy one viewer who yeah. is just like,
0: <laughs> Zelda- just like it's
2: not an RPG.
0: No, we know. But yeah, actually, I say two. There were three. So Twilight Princess was shared with the Wii. Um and Four Swords Adventure, which I keep bringing up a few times, which is another link cable game. If you played Four Swords on the GBA, it was fairly similar to that. Um mm-hmm. in that you controlled four different um Zelda links and then you carried them around doing tasks and things like that. It was like a link to the past, but like four people playing at once, which was always good. But um I think the one that I want to focus on the most about, and I feel like Steph is a big fan of this. I love the style of this and I can't believe, like, looking back at it that in the 30 years that passed, like, when Wind Waker hit everyone was so sceptical about it they just looked at it yeah. and were like, "Oh, cartoons, ew, gross and it's just like, <sighs> really? Such a shame, yeah. But... It is, it, like, without a doubt, it is because of that style it's aged so, so well. Absolutely. Hmm. Like, you would have to look at the Wii U remaster they've barely tweaked anything and that game looks phenomenal even the original GameCube title looks phenomenal really compared to like like said earlier baton chaos and i added paper mario into the mix as well as gamecube games that look amazing so i have not played wind waker i have made it quite clear on previous podcasts i am not the biggest zelda fan i really struggle with this series actually i tried to do one dungeon in wind waker which was the fortress and i hate it I really hate the first dungeon. <laughs> to be fair, honestly, that game has probably the
2: worst set of dungeons, and I think most people unanimously agree about that. It's not that they're bad, oh, yeah. bad. They're just very boring, or at worst, like with the Forsaken dungeon, just tedious.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's a comparison to the overworld? Because well, the like, overworld... well, like, one
2: thing uh, that's pretty cool about the Forsaken Fortress is when you visit it the second time, and you can just clean up shop, like, cause you have your yeah. sword and you have a full arsenal. So that's really, really cool. It just sucks that your first technical dungeon is a stealth mission for half of it, and it's really boring. I hate. Mm.
0: Yeah, uh, it was a way, 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 way bad way to start things. No, definitely. Um, even with the introduction of everything, that dungeon was terrible. Um, I just, oh, I hate sneaking missions so much in my Zelda <laughs> yeah. games. Like, I, pro- I, d- the only Zelda game I finished on the GameCube was Four Swords Adventures because the 3D Zelda Curse plus Alana, I think, is the answer to mm-hmm. that. I just can't. <laughs> I really, really want to give Wind Waker another go now, so I think... I mean, you probably don't need to sell it to me too much, but sell it to me. Do you have the Wii U one? Uh, or I, do you have a Wii U? I won't be owning a Wii U when this podcast goes out.
2: Oh. But I
0: still own a what? GameCube. <laughs> I say it's still pretty worth
2: it. It's definitely worth it because I think the spectacle will take you through the entire thing. It's a beautiful experience, and it's a you know it's a pretty well told story. Uh, exploring can be pretty fun. Um, you know, that said, I have a lot of fun gaming not sober. So I mean, I think a lot of my fun comes from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can edit that out if you want. But...
0: <laughs> I'll leave I that, up, that to up to Mike. <laughs> That's definitely not my choice. Um... <laughs> I think, um, from what I know... It's a really
2: solid title, and just the look of it all, and it's it's still a lot of fun. You get your your wacky onslaught of Zelda, you know, Motley crew characters. Um, cool. You know, the lore is very interesting, and when it starts hitting some of the more serious beats, it, it does get interesting. Uh, it, it's also relatively easy, so, I mean, if you do want to play it, it's not like you're going to have a very frustrating time.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing Probably. I've heard about the dungeons. As much as the Forsaken Fortress is sneaking, and I hate that... Um... Yeah, I've heard unanimously that they're kind of okay dungeons. They're not amazing. If you look at best Zelda dungeons in the world, you'll always get, like, a couple of the Twilight Princess ones, one of the Skyward Sword ones, Ocarina of Time dungeons, Majora's Mm. Mask. You won't ever see any Wind Waker ones. Maybe one, if we're going to try and do one per game. But I think, obviously, the art style is what really stands out for me. Even though I wasn't a big Zelda fan, I remember looking at my copy of, like, Nintendo magazine and looking at Wind Waker and just going, it's gorgeous, Because at the time, I think it hit around the same time Beautiful Joe came out, which was also yes really cel shaded and gorgeous, and it was just comparing the two. And people were like, you know, to Zelda, and then like, oh, Beautiful Joe's amazing. And it was like, what are you missing? Like, what's the difference? Like, I think.
1: <laughs> well, I think um I'm not sure if it was E3 or if this was back in the day of Space World, but I remember there was like a tech demo on the GameCube showing off like you know, a real gritty Legend of Zelda, you know, Link fighting Ganon. Uh, yeah. People were like, I... we want that!
0: Yeah. And
1: then they saw Wind Waker and they're like, that's not what we want!
0: Well, it was. to be fair, it's probably... I mean, prospectively, I feel like Wind Waker is much more liked now than Twilight Princess, really. Oh, without, a doubt. without a doubt, I think. I, I would say so. And I picked up Twilight Princess for the Wii. I didn't have it for the GameCube, because I thought, I'm going to try and get into Zelda again! And I just i got halfway through twilight princess and just gave up because i was like "Uh, really i don't know what it was it was i don't know whether it's the total opposite of wind waker which is like all bright and shiny and colorful and everything but um twilight princess was more gray it had some cool dungeons it had a cool boss fight in the form of that snake one like where you skateboard across the wall pretty much on a cog Oh yeah yeah that one was really cool amazing but nothing else really, like... It was just kind of like Ocarina of Time ten years later kind of thing. But Whereas Wind Waker has done something really different in sticking you in the Red Lion, making you I, I definitely
2: think Twilight Prince is a bit of a stronger title, but that, I know not many people agree with that. But uh,
3: yeah.
0: I, I, Wind Waker definitely has the way more unique identity. Yeah, oh,
3: yeah,
0: I think so. But I like the difference. So some Zelda titles kind of get criticized for having a kind of... You know, oh no, Princess Zelda is kidnapped. Oh, Princess Zelda is normal. Princess Zelda is a pirate. How does that <laughs> sound? Like... Yeah, but then they botched that up right they away. They did. They did, straight <laughs> away. Yeah. She gets kidnapped. Um, yeah. But, um, she's the cutest looking Zelda. <laughs>
1: oh, I That's agree. That's true.
0: <laughs> With her little nose. Um, but I think it does some cool things. Like, the red lion's really cool. Tingle's back. Everyone's favorite Tingle. You oh, know. yeah. Oh, totally. Like, green in Man. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's not as creepy. Oh no, he is as creepy actually. Oh no. Now he has, he has an that, island yeah.
1: full of people that kind of seem like they're forced to be in there.
0: Oh, what?
1: I remember, that's the uh, Tingle Island and like half of them are like, "Oh, we're Tingle's family and stuff." And there's one that's like, "I want to go home." <laughs> to be like, there. Oh. And it sets like some undertones to the whole Tingle lineage.
0: I remember Tingle's dad, a majorette mask, who's like running the yeah. he's running the boat, the ferry, yeah. isn't he? And he's just like yeah. my son's off. If you take a pic, you show him a picture of Tingle and he's just like for goodness sake, that's my son. I don't want to see it again kind of thing. <laughs> it's like great, good one. Um, I also really this is is this one of the first games with the birds, the bird people maybe? Um, yeah, the Rito. The so, yeah. Rito, yeah, they're really cool as well. I think they've introduced a lot of really solid staples. Like the leaf. The leaf is a cool item. Yes. I like that a lot. Um, uh, the corax, I guess, came from that
2: one as well. Yeah. Those were really cute too. I think they were really darling. Yeah. And actually,
0: I suppose I see a lot of um, Wind Waker's influence in Breath of the Wild, especially in the art style, I suppose. It's not as obviously cel-shaded, but there's definitely something more Cheerful, it kind of let
2: them have that kind of give to pull off kind of cartoony animals as well as kind of the fierce stuff like the lionels you yeah know?
0: so it's like a cross uh, whereas
2: wind waker kind of had to stay kind of cartoony where even the most fiercest enemy look kind of silly and cartoony
0: yeah so it crosses like skyward sword and um when waker a little bit in his graphical style and it really works but
3: mm-hmm. i
0: think yeah twilight princess is not not my favorite i might give it another shot it's consum- I-, I liked
2: Twilight princess just based on its atmosphere i always thought it was like one of the best versions of hyrule like alive yes. and living realize yeah. oh absolutely. i liked walking through a town a, fu- a bustling town that wasn't just npcs ignoring you yeah definitely um is
0: mean, yeah, definitely know, so, the coolest sidekick i think as well uh, yeah and that's something the series just
2: hasn't really gotten quite as right ever since her you know so uh, the items <laughs> i find were some of the best and in terms of like as all together i find twilight princess has the strongest dungeons in the series
0: really yeah i heard that As a whole i think the sky you know? temple is quite popular as is the snow temple i believe um
2: the Sky all, temple, like, a all those cool. late
0: game ones are really really cool
2: and yeah. i like how it even kind of throws a spin on some of the ones so like it's not just a fire dungeon it's like magnet mining and you yeah. know just kind of cool kind of cool water segment um, yeah. You know, I... so like you, even the forest dungeon, like it's not just forest. You kind of have a segment that's outside, and you're helping out a bunch of monkeys. So it's kind of tries to throw a few kind of nice twists to it. Mm. Uh, it, it's not just a sand temple. It's a prison meets, you know, like using your dog senses to find ghosts. Like yeah. it, it's kind of a nice kind of spin on things. Yeah. So overall, I think it had the strongest set of dungeons in the series.
0: No, I'd agree with that. I think having played half of it, and also on the theme of items, dual hookshots. Yeah, yes. dual <laughs> hook shots. Do you need anything else? Why have they not brought that back again? Too powerful. I wish they just would actually it do that.
2: Where like, is bring they... back some of the good ideas. Bring back masks for just one more go, maybe. Yeah. Bring back dual hook shots. Bring back
0: the spinner. That's yeah, fine. where is Breath of the Wild? Where is my hook shot? You don't get one, do you?
1: Nope, it's all straight climbing.
0: <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um,
1: I think it says something, too, that um, we see so much of the cartoon version of Link in other forms of media too. Like he's made constant appearances in Smash Bros since Brawl, I think. Yeah. Yes. Like he's a constant updating character. He made his own little branch in the Zelda timeline. You know, with uh,
0: yeah, uh,
1: the oh, uh, the names are disappearing. The Phantom, Phantom Train, Hourglass
0: and Phantom the Hourglass. Spirit Tracks.
1: Spirit Tracks, combine them together. Sorry yeah. about that.
0: No, and like, then they kind of did like uh-huh. a crossover, didn't they? So they did like a kind of Four Swords adventure game cross with the style of... Oh, Minish Cap's oh, yeah, got a similar uh, art style heroes. as well. Yeah, which is probably the worst Zelda game since 2. I know that's not saying really? much. It wasn't as well received, I believe. It was. It I went... have it,
1: but I've never had the chance to play it, so now I'm curious.
0: I think it's a lot of fun, and I think it's something you probably should play multiplayer from what I've heard, but um, I think it's just kind of like kind of oh look it's a 3ds game kind of like how final fantasy explorers jumped in with the monster hunter thing this game is kind of like (laughs) play with your friends but i do really like the fact that he's got a separate branch to Link. i think there was code (laughs) wasn't there in brawl or um, the wii u version for smash bros of a toon zelda and that would have been yes there was a
1: yeah i think she was supposed to be like an implemented character and i know a lot of people were Thinking that she would function like Zelda did in Melee, where she could transform between Sheik and Princess Zelda. Yeah. Where it'd be like a tune Princess Zelda switching to Tetra. Something along the lines like that.
0: Yeah, that would have been really Which would have
1: cool. been awesome.
0: Oh but... Hey ho. Never
1: mind. <laughs> nope, let's get Dark Pit in here.
0: Ugh, sorry, I've got a lot of I've got a lot oh. of smash
1: bro feelings.
0: Don't that's another podcast for another site, sadly. <laughs> But no, I think Zelda's an appropriate way to cap off the GameCube RPGs because, well, GameCube games that RPG fan cover, just so I can cover my back and not get flamed by anybody. Um, Because the GameCube is a really solid console, as I said at the beginning, they're fairly cheap to pick up. Some of the games are a little bit more expensive than others, but you can get hold of some other ones other ways, so if you've got a PS3 you can get Tales of Symphonia. And you can also get like older versions of Paper Mario on the Wii or Wii U, I believe, if you want to play the original. Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are on the Wii U and the Wii U respective. No, they're both on the Wii U now, aren't they? They've both been remastered. Yeah, Twi-
1: Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD.
0: Yeah, well then you can pick them both up on the Wii U. And obviously, I mean, Fire Emblem, you can fire. imagine we could get another console Fire Emblem game next year, so we'd yes. love to hear about that, definitely. But I would say... If anybody has any other RPGs that we've missed, which we probably will have done, then please let us know. Um, I guess, closing down, what RPG would you like to see brought back from the GameCube? Uh, Keegan, I mean, I wonder what you are going to say from <laughs> suggesting earlier.
1: <laughs> well, of course, I would love to see a brand new Crystal Chronicles, personally, but this is my chance to say we need a GameCube virtual console, especially if they're not going to do it on the Switch. I don't know when they're going to do it, you know? Like, there's so much, even if you don't look at RPGs, there's so many good games on the GameCube, and price-wise, like, for example, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, uh, currently on Amazon, is running for $230. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh
0: my god. So,
1: you could charge me $60 on the Switch for a version of that and I will buy it gladly
0: Jeez, yeah <laughs> they're really rare I think I remember yeah. seeing a copy of Skies for like 100 quid and I was like I'm so glad I bought it for 25 so glad I would pay 100 but that's another the question you know like it's not but um, I think GameCube Virtual Console is a big thing and if it comes on the Switch I will be so happy because there are some things that I've missed out from like Custom Robo and yep. you know I'd love to pick up some other things. Um, Steph, is there anything you'd like to see brought back from the GameCube? Or... I, I would love, I don't know, just in general, I'm a big fan of remakes,
2: especially graphical ones. I'd love to see uh, Tales of Symphonia like brought back from the dead and just fully 3D and redone and remade to look gorgeous. Or yeah. Skies, or Baton Kaitos, or Final Fantasy <laughs> Crystal wow. Crown. Honestly, I don't care. Any of these games could come back. I would be <laughs> stupidly excited to see them come back.
0: Yeah. It could be anything. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean you took the words right out of my mouth because um obviously everybody knows that i want skies ported i want the dreamcast version of skies ported with the gamecube editions
3: Yeah,
0: that's what i want anything but really and truly and i'm hoping this will come up in something that we're going we're discussing among the staff a potential feature idea this please don't kill me if it ever happens boss oh lord um I think there's a thing we've got on the pipeline where we want to see, like, dream sequels or dream prequels. Yes. I think a third Baton Katos game would not go amiss because those, that ah. world is awesome. So, I've said it about Shadow Hearts. Like, a fourth Shadow Hearts would be great. A third Baton Katos would be great. As Monoliths should move on to it after Xenoblade 2. Let them finish Xenoblade 2 because I really want that game as well. But Ban Kytos <laughs> is definitely where I'm going. But... I really miss the GameCube. It's kind of the end thing. I miss the tiny little disks. I miss the tiny memory sticks. I miss my WaveBird controller. Yes! Like the the wa- best, the oh, best yeah. wireless
3: controller.
0: Absolutely. Never been better. Those batteries lasted for years. I was like, oh! <laughs> but syncing them together was always ridiculous because you had to like match the numbers up on the bottom and sometimes yeah. it changed. But no, I really miss the GameCube. I'm glad it's... I said before we started podcasting, I don't think Steph was here. The GameCube is the only ARM um, game console that came out in the last 15 years, other than the newest stuff, that I've not ever had to rebuy. I've never had to yeah. rebuy buy it. So I have the very first GameCube that I bought in 2001. It is a durable system, yeah. I've played, it, like, the hell out of that thing. Yeah, I even had to buy a <laughs> second copy of Tales of Symphonia because I played it so much, I scratched the first disc so much. But... No, I do miss the games and, say, GameCube Virtual Console would be excellent. I would love to see that happen. I would love to see some of the RPGs come back. Say, hopefully, with the Fire Emblem console Switch game that's coming out next year, we might see some more IPs come back. Obviously, Breath of the Wild is doing phenomenally well for the Switch. We Mm -hmm. covered it very gratefully. and. Yeah, I mean, obviously the standard series are doing really well, but we'd like to see some of the more obscures. How about another Tales game? A Tales game on the Switch would be great. Come on. Oh, me
2: yeah. game would be. Yeah, sorry, Switch Tales game would be
0: amazing. Yeah. But no, that is kind of it with our reminiscing with the GameCube. Oh, I love it a lot. It was my first RPG system, really solidly. And just kind of like i've just got really fond memories of all the games on there so i think thanks to both of you for joining and thanks for everybody for listening um next week we have a very special pokemon episode coming up for you um so please look forward to that i will be on there and i'm sure there will be many a temper flying or many an argument going around as we (laughs) debate (laughs) as we are famous for doing on this podcast healthy debates of course i mean i won the best final fantasy one so (laughs) Um, And then currently in our game journals, we have Earthbound, which is one of my personal favourite RPGs of all time that might have just finished, I believe. But throughout August, we are going to be, we're doing something a little bit different. So we haven't played any Western games for a while. We kind of thought, let's go with something a bit different. So August's game is Grim Fandango, which I'm also on. So you'll be hearing a lot of me. I'm also hosting those episodes. So (laughs) <laughs> please shoot us an email shoot shoot me an email over if you've got any questions about that. We're having a lot of fun with that. Um but in general, if you wanna speak to any of us, talk to us, um you wanna give us suggestions for podcast episodes, we're always open for it. You can email us at retro at rpgfan.com. We love to hear from you. And also we've got our forums on RPGfan.com where you can voice your thoughts. Just come and talk to us. Just come and say hi. We love to hear things from everybody and Obviously, we're always gracious if any of you, if you listen on iTunes, Google Play, any kind of various podcast listening, very news, please leave us some feedback. Five stars would be wonderful, but we love comments anyway. Um, So, no, that's really it. Um, I guess in terms of getting hold of us individually, if people like advertising, uh, Keegan, where can we find you on social media?
1: Well, you guys can find me on the forums. I'm Fozzie Bear over there um you can also find me on twitter hey now (laughs) no i love that i
0: remember when you joined i was like Fuzzy bear and then your lucio avatar i was just like i'm gonna like this person i'm like yeah
1: (laughs) well yeah you can find me on the boards there um i'm also on twitter as kaylee brand so feel free to stop by say hi i always love to talk about video games board games whatever
2: oh steph where can we find you I am on Twitter. You can find me at DICE, D-I-C-E S-N-S Yeah, talk to me,
0: add me, say hi (laughs) And you're on the Twitter as well or the Facebook, or both Everywhere Cool, that's fine, (laughs) social media maven Um, Oh
2: yeah, that's right I'm your social media person, so if you guys ever took (laughs) the line, I do
0: that too (laughs) That's important and you had a smashing time at E3, which I'm so jealous about yeah same oh, yeah but uh yeah uh, so uh you can find me on the boards at diving falcons i don't really comment there very much but give me reason to because i do like talking to people um on twitter you can find me on at alana Hagues. i will probably be tweeting about my frustrations about everything i'm just usually a grumpy person i'm quite positive as well do you know what everything. just come and talk to me um but no, thank you very much for listening, dear listeners. And, say, next week is a Pokemon episode. Grim Fandango's coming up. You've probably heard Earthbound. Continue listening to Retro Encounter and all of our wonderful podcasts. And I will hopefully speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye-bye. bye